Hello, family. Oh, man. I'm actually, we've been talking about, like, standing up for um, the scripture. We're actually going to stand up one more time. And I just want you all to just put your hands out in, like, a posture of receiving. And we're just going to pray together one more time. Um, and I think one thing that Joel said last week, right before communion, that just, like, was like, Wah! to me, was that God wants to do this with us. Like, he wants to do this message with me. And I think so easy, it's so often easy to be like, okay, God, you do it, you do it. I'll just be your vessel. He's like, no, I want to do it with you. And he wants to do it in us too. So I just want to invite you to invite him and let's do this together. So Jesus, we just welcome you here. And Lord, we welcome the fact that you made us because you loved us and you didn't make us just to be robots on this earth. Lord, you wanted to do life with us. So Lord, we just invite you here now. We invite your presence. We invite your peace. And Lord, we just want to hear what you have to tell us. So Lord, would you just speak? Your servants are listening. And Lord, would you just do this with me? Lord, whatever you have to say, I am here and I want to do it with you. So, Lord, we, we love you, and we just give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Um, I just wanted to recap real quick. I know Bree did a great job of recapping, like, the story of Exodus last week, so we're not going to do that. But I just um, want to recap a little bit of the messages from the different stories. I know when Mary shared the first week, and also Helen, I don't know if you guys have been taking the chance to listen to both sermons from each um, campus, that's the word. Um, they have been so powerful. And so if you haven't had a chance to like, if you're here, go back and listen to all the other messages because I mean, I've listened to some of them several times because they've been so powerful. But just a little shout out there. But um, so Mary and Helen shared about how oppression and hope can coexist. And, like, that doesn't seem possible, but God has made it a way. And Helen pointed out that God is good all the time, and he doesn't waste our pain. And then the next week, Kiara and Brooke talked about how we are— God has a plan for us, but he doesn't want us to use Egypt's tools to accomplish that. That's—he has his tools. Do not use the tools of the world to accomplish his plan. Um, And also— Brooke shared that our sin doesn't disqualify us. God can still use us in spite of that. And one thing she shared that was huge for me is that instead of focusing also like where we've been rejected, like and where we feel like our family has rejected us or wherever you've experienced rejection, like God has put people in our lives to be a family of acceptance and to love us. So instead of focusing on the rejection, like focus on the people he's put in your life that are championing you, that are cheering for you. And it's like, that, that's where, that's what he's given us. Um, so um, I just wanted to point that out. And then Bree shared last week about the presence plan and the power of God. And I was like, kept waiting for Steve's sermon. I'm like, where'd it go? And just found out this week that Steve didn't even get to preach last week because there was power in worship. So you're not going to get Steve's message. Sorry. Um, next, next week. Okay. Awesome. 
I'm glad for that because I was like, poor John. I don't know if you guys know this passage today. We get to cover six and a half chapters. And I'm like, if John has to cover your passage from last week too and six, I was like, you poor man. Um, but yeah, also with the different messages, Helen talked about how she grew up on the Prince of Egypt for learning about Exodus. And I was like, we weren't, we weren't even allowed to watch the Prince of Egypt. What, that, I, did, I watched it when I was like 22, I think. We grew up on the Charleston Heston, like the Ten Commandments, where like that old guy is like, like holding these tablets above his head, about to like throw them down. That will give you nightmares. That was what I grew up on Exodus. And, but yeah, so that, I, I was gonna have pictures of that and we just didn't do that. Um, but also, Kiara was like, oh guys, stand up, like you're gonna have 14 verses, you're gonna do a workout. And I was like, Kiara, we've got six and a half chapters, y'all are gonna prepare for a marathon today. Joel was like, you don't have to read all of it. I was like, no, Joel, easy sermon prep. Have him stand up, read all the scripture we're supposed to read, and say, amen, go home, God bless you. So we, we, we come, what is that word? Condensed, thank you, whoever, thank you. Um, but yeah, so just a second for like some real talk here. Um, Whenever I was asked to preach, and even just like leading up to this time, I was just like, you know what? I do not feel worthy to stand up here. Like it, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced like a more desert season where it just, you feel dry. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what, what you wanna do. I was like this, I don't feel like I am like worthy to go up there and stand and preach to people. I was like, it just doesn't feel that way, and I was telling this to my husband, who's back there, um, and he was just like, well, I think Moses kind of felt that way, too. Like, he spent 40 years in the desert of Midian, and, like, God showed up in a burning bush and was like, hey, I'm calling you, and Moses like, ah, uh, how about you you'd use somebody else, because I am not, I'm not gifted in this area, and God was like, no, I've called you, and I don't know if, like, during this whole year, past 18 months of like pandemic or whatever it is. I don't know if any of you have felt like maybe you've been sidelined or like feel like you've been on the outside looking in. I don't know, like you guys streaming online, like that's where I've been pretty much this 18 months or whatever it is, just watching from a TV screen. And that, that can feel very isolating and very alone. And like, like you're not part of things. And I just wanna say to you guys like, God still has a plan, just as he had a plan for Moses in that time of desert, and it was like preparation and training. Like, you are not on the sidelines. COVID didn't, like, put you on the shelf or whatever it was. And I was like, COVID and being a new mom, like, that that will do it to you of like, okay, we are home. We are watching a baby tomorrow. We are home. We are watching a baby. Next day, we are home. We are watching a baby. It, it may not feel like much, but... It, God's still doing something. And so like, I wanna speak that over you and also like preach that to myself. Like God is still doing things. Um, so we're gonna get into our passage now. Um, Bree shared about like the burning bush last week. And so in that port, like in that section of scripture, God was like, okay, here's some signs. Take these signs, go to Pharaoh and show him and tell him to let my people go. And so Moses is like, okay. So he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he's like, peace, we're going, we're going to Egypt. And Jethro's like, God be with you. Um, and then 
Mo the Lord tells Moses, he's like, go back to Egypt. Everybody who wants to kill you is dead. Um, so he took, Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey. Doesn't that feel like um, Joseph putting Mary and his chat on the donkey? But, um, and they go back to Egypt. And I think the first slide here, if it's there, um, in verse 21 of chapter four, the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go that he so, so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. It's like, that's not like prophecy or anything like that's even before anything happened like the Lord spoke this to Moses um, and like there's a crazy story like on the way going to Egypt Zipporah has, his wife has to like commit circumcision on his son it's like this crazy story and what I've, I read from that is the Lord was like well Moses wasn't quite in line with the Lord's command of his covenant yet and so Zipporah helped him get there and that um, that was what happened with all that, that you can read it. It's kind of an interesting story. Um, so Moses goes and meets his brother, Aaron, and God's like, I'm gonna use Aaron, since you feel like your mouth is not good enough, I'm gonna use Aaron, and I'm gonna speak through Aaron. And so he meets Aaron, and they tell him everything that God told him, and they go to Egypt, and they gather all the elders together and share what the Lord's doing, and they show the signs, and it says in verse 31, and they believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So everything's going great. Moses got a plan, he's going, he's like, okay, we're good to go. But then chapter five happens. And um, chapter five is them going to Pharaoh and he's like, okay, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, who is this God you talk about? I don't know him. He's like, no, your people can't go. And he's instead of letting them go, he's like, okay, you know what? They're lazy. They're getting bored. Let's, let's give them more work. So he says, take away the straw. They get to still do whatever they've been doing. They have to do the same amount. But since they're, they have time enough to think about this, take away the straw, let them do their work. So, and they start like abusing and oppressing the, like the leaders of the Israelites. And so they're just like, you said deliverance. You said, like, God had heard us. You said he was coming. And now they're beating us. They're making us do harder work, harder labor. Like, this does not look like deliverance to me. And they're just like, what, what happened, Moses? And so Moses goes to the Lord, and he's like, why, Lord? Why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. And it's like, it's like, what, what happened? And have you ever had like this crisis of calling? You're like, okay, this is what the Lord's telling me to do. I'm gonna do it. And then it's like, um, hello? Like, what just happened here? Like, I'm following you. Like, what are you doing here? I know like <laughs> kind of funny story of like this just happening in our lives. Turk and I were like, you know what? We're gonna try to get up early, get up before the baby wakes up. We'll go out to the, like, we have a little seating area outside. We'll have coffee, we'll pray together. It's gonna be great. Guess how early our doubter has chosen to wake up? 
every morning since then, like literally every morning, between the hours of like 6 and 6.30. And we were like, oh, get up at 6 o'clock, it'll be great. Every, every single morning. And we're like, so we've kind of just brought her into it. Not, it didn't look like what we had planned, but we're like, okay, God, we wanted to like spend this time with you. What's going on? And it's just like, you know what? Got you. Um, but I'm, the next passage here is what the Lord says to Moses. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Talk about some promises there. It's like, whew. And he was just like, I will, I will, I will. And one, one thing um, I read about while doing this thing was like, the patriarchs knew God as a promise-making God. Like, he promised Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Like, and, I mean, Abraham saw, like, one kid, well, two kids. He's like, okay. But in the time of Moses, the Israelites got to see God as a promise-keeping God. Because at this point, they were a great nation. At this point, like, he had done it already. And so Moses reports this back to the Israelites, and what do they do? But they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. And another translation says their anguish of heart. They, they just couldn't hear it. And have you ever been in that place where God like, is speaking truth to you, and you're just like, I am too tired. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't have the hope to believe it, whether it's like you've been just waiting and waiting and waiting for breakthrough, and you're like, it's not here. I've been praying, I've been asking, it's not here. Whether it's like freedom for addiction, weight loss, whether it's you're praying for a spouse and that's still not here, whether you're waiting for a family, asking the Lord, and it's still not here, a court case that just won't get resolved, a long, hard season, a disease or anything like that. Like, have you ever been the place where you just can't hear hope. And like it's into this place that the Israelites were at. They're like, I, I, they were too fatigued to hear. And so the Lord's like, okay, I got this. So in this moment, he like goes back and he like shares the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. And I think that is kind of just give, to give validation to them. Like these, this is where they've come from. And these are the people I have commissioned, I have sent. 
So they, they start out going to um, Pharaoh and they share this like the sign of like he takes Moses takes his staff, throws it on the ground, becomes a snake and the magicians are like, yeah, we got you. And they take their staffs and they throw them on the ground and they become snakes. And it's like, okay. And then Moses' staff is like, you know what? And he, the, his serpent swallows up all the other serpents whole. I was like, beat you. But, um, so that was like the first sign. And then, um, so oh wait, before that, sorry. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. And one thing I want, want to point out in like these different declarations of, from God is like, he keeps saying like, so you will know, so Egypt will know. So he like, listen for that in the next couple passages too. Um, so the, after that comes plague number one. Um, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Confront him on the bank of the Nile and take it in your hand, the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Excuse me. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink the water. So Aaron and Moses take, take the staff, they hit the water, the water turns to blood. Um, and so this lasts for like seven days. Um, Pharaoh watches them do it because they do it right in front of his face. And it says he turned away and walks, just walks away because he was totally not impressed. The magicians do the same thing. They're like, not impressed, whatever. So he, he leaves and it's um, the end of the first plague. And one thing I want to point out, was it's kind of fascinating, is each one of these plagues is going against a specific god or gods of the Egyptians. And God is like taking apart every like thing they had built their foundation on. And this, this plague is going against the god Happy, who's the god of the now. It's like, so it's kind of like showing I am over this God happy, like I have the power. Um, and the second plague is frogs come. God tell, goes, um, Moses goes to Aaron, well gosh, names, they're fun. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, okay, let my people go. He says, no, he's like, okay, frogs are coming. So frogs come everywhere. He's like, it's gonna be in your bed, it's gonna be in your food, it's gonna be every place you walk frogs everywhere. Can't imagine the sound of that. Um, and Pharaoh comes to Moses and he's like, I, I was wrong. Please pray. Send these frogs away. So Moses is like, okay. He prays. The frogs all die. They pile them up in big piles and it stinks like crazy, but they're gone. 
and that went against the goddess Hecate, who had a head shaped like a frog. Um, the third plague was gnats, or lice, or ticks, or mosquitoes, or fleas, depending on how you translate what those what I was like, they're like, it could have been this, or this, or this. Um, so bugs. Um, so they were just like, God, and this time God didn't even warn Pharaoh, they just came. He's like, strike the ground, every, like, bugs come out of everywhere. Um, and this time, the magicians go to try to do the same thing, and they're like, we can't do it. And they tell Pharaoh, they're like, this is the finger of God. Um, and this, this plague went against Geb, who was God of the earth. And again, Pharaoh was like, nope. He hardened his heart. He's like, not doing it. Um, so number four was flies. And see here. So God tells Moses, again, to go early in the morning to Pharaoh. And this time it's a little different of a message. He's like, I'm going to send flies. He's like, but on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, which was where the Israelites lived, um, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. And it's like, um, so all the flies come, and they're not um, anywhere in Goshen. And Pharaoh was like, you know what? That's it. Okay, you can go. And Moses is like, okay. So he prays, and not a single fly remained. Like, they all vanished. Um, but again, um, Pharaoh hardens his heart. And this went against the god Capri, who was like a head shaped like a beetle. Again, you can like, there's like a, you pl plenty of YouTube videos if like the gods of Egypt that this is like conquering fascinates you. YouTube is your best friend. So, um, then comes plague number five, uh, which is the livestock. And again, this one, like, God's like, I'm going to destroy all your animals. And um, again, he's like, but not in Goshen, not for my people. So, um, Pharaoh, like, God sends this plague, and Pharaoh's, like, investigating. He's, he goes, checks, sends scouts to Goshen. He's like, are there no, no deaths in Goshen? And it's like, yeah. Um, but again, he's like, you know what? Nope. He hardens his heart. And that was against Apis, which is a bull god. Um, and then the sixth plague is boils. And the interesting thing about this was God told him to go to Pharaoh and do this in front of Pharaoh. And he grabbed a handful of, like, ash. And he threw, well, the soot from, like, a fireplace. And he threw it up in the air. And it turned into dust. And it broke out over all the people, like, these boils. And one of the things I was reading, it was kind of cool, is like what would have normally been like the thing they would use to cure boils, which would have been like the soot, because that was something used to help make it go away. Like that was the very thing that caused like their pain. Um, and again, like the magicians, it says the ma magicians couldn't even stand before Pharaoh. And it's like they were the ones that were supposed to be able to heal themselves, like to heal people, and they couldn't even do this. And interestingly, this is the very last time in like the whole Old Testament that you see these magicians, like God shows like you have no power. And it's like you do not see them again after this. Um, so again, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so in... 
um, Exodus 9, it comes the plague of hail. Which, um, in verse 13, the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. Or this time, I will send the full force of my plagues against you, and against your officials and your people, so you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside, but those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. I think this was kind of cool. Like The Lord's like, mercy. He's like, if you do this they're not going to die. Like, all it would have taken was fair, like, okay, bring all the animals in. And so some people are like, okay, I've seen God. I am fearful. We're going to go ahead and take these animals in. And like, their livestock lived, but most of them, it sounds like, still left their livestock out. And they all died from this crazy, crazy hailstorm. And I don't know if you guys caught this, like, so that the whole world would know. Like, he just keeps broadening. It's like, this is, so Egypt, so Pharaoh, but it's like, now it's like, so the whole world will know. And this time, Pharaoh comes to Moses. He's like, I've sinned. I've sinned. He's like, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Go. And Moses is like, okay. He's like, I will pray for you. you. But he's like, I know you're not going to let them go. He's like, I just know. He said, I'm going to still go out and pray. So he went and prayed, and the hailstorm stopped. And again, Pharaoh hardened his heart and his officials. Um, and the other, you guys can look up the gods. We're just going to, whatever. Um, so the next one is locusts. Um, in ten, chapter 10, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials, so that I may perform these signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them and that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. And again, like, he's like, so not only is this for your time, he's like, this is for the generations that are come and come after you so that they will know that I am the Lord. And Pharaoh, he gives them the option. He's like, you refuse to let them go? I'm going to send locusts. And so at this point, the officials of Egypt are like, please, Pharaoh, please, just let the people go. He's like, they're like, have you not seen? Like, Egypt is ruined. Just let them go. And again, Pharaoh hardens his heart and refused to let them go. And the locusts come, and they literally destroy everything like what the hailstorm left what the other like anything that had not been destroyed already was destroyed by the locust um and then finally in chapter like in the ninth plague is the plague of darkness and 
again, this one came without a warning, and God just tells Moses to take a staff, and he, um, he like takes it and stretches out his hand toward the sky, and total darkness covers the land, like gar- darkness that you can like feel. And again, not in Goshen, but for three days this darkness lasts. And Moses was like, you must allow us to go. And Pharaoh was like, no. So the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. And that's the end of our passage. And guys did... <laughs> we're, not, we're not done yet, but that's the end of the passage. Christine will, it will carry you through to the, the final plague next week, um, which for some reason I thought I had and it, I didn't. But, so the question is like, what, what do we do with all of this? Like, okay, God brought destruction all over Egypt. Great, that was like many, many moons ago. Like, what does that mean for us now? What does God have for us? And I know, like, if you've been around here for any length of time, or if you choose to stay around here for any length of time, you will hear, like, these four questions asked constantly. Like, who is God? Who are we in light of who God is? What is God saying? And what am I going to do about it? But before we start answering those questions, I want you guys to take a moment and put yourself in the Israelite's shoes. I want you to feel just, like, the weight of their oppression. They have been slaves for 400 years. And you may not be in that same place, but take a moment, take a moment to identify your oppressor. Who or what has been your slave driver? Who or what has been your taskmaster? What, what is the weight that is like hanging over your head? And it's different for each one of us and only you can answer that. So I... It did, like, have you ever been like the Israelites there, where you keep getting these glimmers of hope that seem to like keep be, keep being snatched away? Like, oh, maybe this is the one, or maybe this maybe this will be the breakthrough, and it like keeps getting snatched away over and over again. So I want you to like take a moment and identify that, and then hold on to that thought. Um, so going back to these questions, it's like, who is God? Who am I? And stuff. I want to, I was like, I was like preparing this, and I was just like, I wonder, like, let me like switch it around a little bit, like, let's, let's talk about like who we are, and God pointed out to me, he's like, that's the wrong order, so if we start out with who am I, instead of who God is, I don't know about you, that, that makes me look inward, and I don't know about you too, like, in, inside can be pretty dark, like, if I look inside me, I'm like, oh, I am, like, I am a mess, that is who I am, and um, the, if the Egyptians, like, well, the Israelites, they were looking inward, and they're like, we're oppressed, we're exhausted, we don't have hope. But, like, your answer may be, like, I'm lonely, I'm rejected, I'm addicted, I'm overweight, I'm trapped. It's like, when we don't look up first, and we start, like, we try to form our identity first, it's a very, very dark place to be. And I don't know if any of you have tried to do that. I know I've tried to do that. I was even talking to my husband. I was like, this season, I think I've been in the place of, like, asking, who am I? And that's not been a great place. Like, it's made me not be a great support to my husband when he's needed me. It's made me be, feel very, like, lonely, feel very rejected. And it's like, that's not who I am. So when we 
get to that place, I just like want to challenge you to like stop. <laughs> I'm having Daniel Tiger songs playing in my head. My daughter loves Daniel Tiger. It's like stop and listen to me say, yes, we're here. You guys get Daniel Tiger too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just stop and ask yourself like wh- where am I? Like what am I doing? This this isn't right. So take a moment to like look up first. Um, and I'll, when you look up, like God has the light. God is the light. And it's only after we've looked up and we've received the light that we, it's, a safe, it's safe to go and look in because his light casts out that darkness and his light shows us who we really are. And so like with this, like who is God in this passage? Um, he's deliverer. He's rescuer. He's the good father. He's the great I am. He's the God of justice and the God who goes to war for his people. And through this all, like, God is saying, like, so you will know I am God. And in light of that, like, who am I? It's like, we are delivered. We are saved. We are loved. We are rescued. Like, we are called. We are equipped. Like, Moses is like, when he saw who God was, like, there were still doubts. But, like, as he walked in faith for what God was doing, like, I mean, you keep saying, like, oh, Aaron's going to speak these things for you. If you read this passage, Moses is doing a lot of the talking, and it's like God gave him what he needed. So who are you in the light of who God is? And then, like, what is God saying to you? And one thing, like, that just really hit me from this passage, because I'm like, okay, God, there's nine plagues. Like, what? God bless you. What are we doing with this? And, like, I just kept the passages that kept, like, screaming out to me, God being like, I will, so that you will know. I will. I'm doing this so you will know me. And so that's what I really feel like God is saying in this passage, like, I will. And one of the, like, one of the things I want to, like, remind you, too, go back to, like, when I asked you about your oppressor, like, that person, that thing that is, like, your taskmaster, what I feel like God is saying to that um, is in Psalm 18. This passage I discovered in some really dark times. Like, I'd read it many times before, but the time that it, like, stuck out to me, like, this is a passage that, like, brings tears. So, like, that oppressor that is fighting, like, fighting against you, and God, you, like, you cry out to God, and this is what God does, and this is what God says to that I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Sound like Egyptian? Sound like you, maybe? In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, and dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. 
He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me on, in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I think that is what God's saying. Is like in those moments of oppression, when we cry out, like, did you see like the picture of how mad God was at the oppression of his child? And he's like, I'm going to part heaven and I'm going to come down and I'm going to destroy the enemy and I'm going to rescue you. I just, that's like one of my favorite, favorite just pictures of the power of God and the depth of love that he has for his kids. So the last question is like, what are you going to do about it? And my challenge is like to ask first, like in your situation, ask first, who is God? Get in his word, remind yourself who he is. Ask for help. Like people around you be like, okay, I can't see. I am exhausted. I'm tired. Like who is God in this? Like ask people to speak truth into your life. And, and believe he will. I was reading a little story to my kid the other day, and it was talking about the faith like a mustard seed. And it's like, the mustard seed is about the size of the period at the end of the sentence. It's like, if you have that much faith, you can move mountains. So, like, just believe that God is going to do it. And I want you, like, Jesus died to free us from our oppressor. Whatever oppressor you are facing now, like, it has been conquered through the cross. He has already paid for it. We are no longer slaves. We don't have to listen to a taskmaster because they have no authority over us. We are children. We are heirs of the promise. And I think one thing that was cool, like going back to um, that coffee story, and Turk and I trying to have coffee, we were realizing, like, we brought, we still did it. We brought Harper, we've been bringing Harper out with us every morning, and she, like, runs around, finds dirt and water and mixes them and gets a whole mess. And I looked at Turk the one day, and I was like, what if, like, this is God actually loving us? As like, we, we are really bad at listening to our alarm clock. We are really good at hitting that snooze button, like, 4,000 times. And because our kid keeps waking up between 6 and 6.20, like, it's forced us to wake up whether we've wanted to or not. And we have been getting up and getting coffee and going out. And I'm like, what if this is just God loving us and being like, I know you don't have the strength to get up out of bed by yourself. He's like, so I'm going to give you a tiny little human alarm clock. And it's just like, he, like we've seen his love from that. And, and it also, like, in that, we're getting the model for our little kid. Like, this is, like, you can take this time with Jesus, invite him into your day. And, and she also just gets to be with us. And this morning was so cute. She, she pulled up like another chair and was trying to sit with us. And like, just because we were praying together and she was just like, I want to be a part of this. And like, God can take those things that feel like, oh my goodness, like this is, like we tried to do it this way. And he's like, no, this is, this is so you will know that I am God. This is so that you will know that I love you. And this is so that you will know that I'm here. And that's what I wanted to share today. One other thing I wanted to mention, like, it is Father's Day. Um, and we talked about, like, the fathers and the spiritual fathers. But I also want to talk to you young men that are here, because there was a whole bunch of you that it keeps, kept saying. And I just want to say, like, you're not too young to be a spiritual father to someone. You're not too young to, like, take someone's hand and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to play with you. Yeah, let me spend time with you. Let me, like just be with you. And I mean, I've worked with some 
kids for so long and it's so cool when the older ones like take the hand of the younger one and say hey I'm gonna be your friend like you young men like you're not too young and as your father or your spiritual father pours into you give back take back because those little kids look up to you and they love you and they are learning from you and they're watching you so I would just challenge you be a dad you are not too young be a dad to those kids and that's yeah so I love you guys and thank you for thanks for being here today <laughs>